Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I'm excited to be joined by an old friend, Joe Curtis. Joe is the founder of an initial recruitment company called 3Search, which then led to him building a bigger business called 11 Investments. 11 Investments are a series of niche recruitment organizations that work together and are there's a hundred uh, headcount and they share a common goal. They share a, a central operational function. Joe's role across 11 investments as, as a director, as a founder is to bring more people into the portfolio, both from a people who want to start their own recruitment company and also people who want to work for the portfolio. So he's grown, he's been responsible of growing to a hundred people, but they've done that with, with, a clear plan, sustainably and profitably. In this episode, we talk about his journey of nine years of growth. We talk about how remaining profitable throughout that process is really important. A lot of recruitment organizations don't make any money and, and as a result, they, they suffer in times like now. But we also look massively about how running a business with a clear direction is the most important thing. We talk about this debate around work working in the office, working at home. Three search, 11 investments, the whole portfolio, they believe in working together in London at least three days a week with a little bit of flexibility, but they're very clear on how and why they've built it that way. So if you're in a position right now where you're feeling that post-COVID, you don't really know the best way to run your firm, whether it's remote, whether it's in-house, whether it's a combination, then you need to listen to this because Joe explains it perfectly. He's got to 100 headcount. They've got it organized correctly. They're going towards 200 headcount. So there's so much you will learn. Without further ado, Joe, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thanks for having me, Sean. Good about to time. see you. It's about, about time. time. Yeah, I think we uh, we could have done this a long time ago, but I'm glad I'm glad we're doing it now. I'm glad we're doing it now. But we've known each other for for years, really. I met you I met you at the end of my recruitment days, and when you were uh, trying to trying to see if I could come and join the, the ship. That is right. I was, uh, when was that? 17, 18? Early, late, it was late 16, early 17. Cause I, yeah. I was, I was at um, Venquis. I was working with a financial advisor that or, or he was trying to poach me and I didn't work with him and he knew you, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And I knew what I was, I kind of knew what I was about to do, but I wasn't hundred percent set. And me and you met and you were talking about, backing us and and putting us into the investment vehicle and imagine where we could be now imagine done that. absolutely fucked it haven't we um <laughs> it was you Emma, one other natural kitchen yeah anthony webster is a lad who's also been on the show who didn't end up launching anything with us but there was three of us and we're, yeah we used to meet at the natural kitchen near fleet street didn't we yeah that's um, right. and it was uh good times and like you say things could have been very different but um it, you know, everything happens for a reason. But I've loved watching your journey since. And obviously, we've always kept in touch, and which I think is great. For anyone who doesn't know you, Joe, we're going to get into the whole story. Just um, give us the overview, the kind of bird's eye view of you and all your portfolio, what you do right now. I okay. don't want the detail. I just want the numbers, the niches, that kind of stuff. Okay. So uh, we are, so 11 Investments is a discipline-specific investment um, incubating investor. We have six businesses, six operating recruitment companies about 100 people, um, London office in the Central West End. Um, and we've also got a, another business called Recruiter Labs, which we may or may not talk about. Yeah. So you you started off as a recruiter, built your own, uh, I think I remember, you started your own recruitment agency. Yeah. And then off the back of that success, you started to, to go down different routes. So we'll go into yeah. it all, right? When did you get into recruitment? What year was that? So, 07, beginning of 07. Right. So what was the story there? Ah, uh, everyone less, falls into it. How did you do me. it? I know I tried to get into it. Uh, right. So gap year. And then I took four years to do a three year course at university. 
Um, so I was two years behind a, my best mate who'd gone straight out of school to uni, straight out of uni into recruitment. So he was living the life in 2005 and 2006, um, working for Mark Satin, uh, finance recruitment in London. Um, yeah. yeah, it was back when it was like falling off a log, uh, <laughs> making a fortune in the boozer on a Monday night, it like an extension of university. I was like, yeah, that, that's that's a bit of me. I'll do that. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> what course did you do at uni? I did a sports materials course at university because I didn't get on finance course. Very su similar <laughs> to me. I did sport, sports development and coaching, which is a complete joke of a course. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I blagged my way onto that course because I didn't get the grades. <laughs> so I had this, had this interview to get on my degree. Um, yeah, quite a lot of my life has been sort of talking my way into situations, I think. Uh, Sounds familiar. So, Sounds very familiar. So anyway, so we... Yeah, so I started, um, so I got a job at Michael Page in the Weybridge office. I was talked into working in the Weybridge office in Michael Page. Weybridge? Like on the M25, Surrey, Chertsey Way, Junction. Where Canada. were you living? I was living in Southwest London in a house share with between five and seven people, depending on who we had crammed in there. What were you like, um, Clapham, Tooting, somewhere like Earlsfield. that? Earlsfield. So yeah, you go commuting the other way. Yeah, which I sold myself quite, as a dream because I got a seat. Was that quite? Was it quite good or not? I don't know if that'd have been. A good I, I, I mean, it, I actually found it quite challenging, like mentally. It was like it was a bit weird going in the opposite direction to everybody else. Um, but yeah, it was fine. It was a. It was a. It was a great environment. I loved it at the time. Um, yeah, good few years in that office, and then I moved into moved up to the London office about 2010. Who was that for? Uh, London was Page again, so I was Michael Page Marketing, and then and then I set up Michael Page Digital with um, with another guy at, uh, at the group. Yeah, and you didn't fancy going into Mark Satin and joining your mate. So he actually left. He left recruitment before I got to London. Um, he hit it hard for a bit and then was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, and he set up a bunch of pound shops back where we grew up. Wow, random. random. Uh, uh, yeah, he does a different thing now, but yeah, so he, so no, I didn't. Uh, at the time he was actually, that's not true. At the time he'd moved back, back to Gloucestershire, but he was working four page in Bristol, which is where I got the intro. Um, right, and then right. he did that for a bit and then he moved out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it sounds similar. I was in Australia. My mate James landed about two weeks after me. We'd already kind of got jobs on, like being a barista and all these random shit. Yeah, yeah. We we just got jobs, and we were like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll get. We got a, we've got a recruitment agency type thing that'll get you jobs when you land." He's like, "Sweet, got a job in recruitment at Randstad within like four days. Was sponsored. Was on a fifty k salary." We were like, "What the fuck is he doing?" I was like, "That sounds." He didn't even. He must have been about three days into the job and I was like, I want to do that. It just sounds well better than what I'm doing. Yeah. So I was getting up at 4am in Sydney, making sandwiches for people in a sandwich oh, shop. Horrific. Sydney. Yeah. Horrific, isn't it? You, you are treated a certain way. I think when you get to Australia that you, you might not be prepared for, like it's probably how most immigrants survive in the UK when they land, right? They just have to yeah. do whatever they do. Um, madness. So I don't want to go into your career as a recruiter too much, but like, how did your career progress? Like what, how would you describe your experience as a consultant and before you became an entrepreneur? Um, I, I would probably did. Um, I would describe it as doing the minimum I had to do to get on. I was, uh, I was naturally quite good at certain aspects of the job, um, but loads of things I wasn't good enough at to, to go the full distance in a business like Michael Page. And I, I think I realized that pretty early on. Um, like, but what, yeah. what were you missing? Um, so the, the route there is always, you know, at the time it was do well build well become a manager grow your team heads 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 the more people you've got working for the more important you are and i just i just didn't get on with man management particularly well so i did man management jobs for a few years there um but i just it wasn't me that's not that's not you prefer not being I, out and about meeting clients and yeah i was good at i was good at influencing people so whether that be selling stuff to clients or persuading candidates to take jobs or actually notably persuading people to join the business as a recruiter that they were the bits that I was good at. What I wasn't good at was, um, the discipline and the organization to do really well at, um, managing teams of people. 
Um, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> so, uh, although I gave it a crack because I thought that's what I wanted to do, and I had this ambition that I'm going to climb the ranks and be a, you know, senior as I could be at, at Michael Page, I actually relatively quickly realised that it just wasn't the best. What would you professionally? I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like, what what sort of package and take home do people get when they get high into these bigger corporate recruitment firms? Like, is it? really lucrative annually to be to get to that point uh not compared to doing anything remotely like your own thing yeah um so i mean they get paid well um you know hundreds of thousands of pounds but and it, it depends on your comparison of like the profitability of the business that you grow and the size of it and all that sort of thing but yeah clearly the opportunity when you're doing your own thing the opportunity there is to is to earn significantly more and it's 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 uncapped right which is a kind of oh, yeah. it's the next level of being a recruiter isn't it i remember going from recruitment to management and feeling like everything was capped it felt like suddenly it went from my earnings were my destiny to it was all about everyone else and actually there was a limit on what i could only hit this bonus anyway and i was like i want to learn it because i think it's a good skill but it doesn't turn me on which is why i ended up talking to you because i was like oh i know i know i'm going to do my own thing and i was excited about it so when did you know you were going to start your own business <clears throat> I, I think actually probably about two years before I left Page, but I didn't think it was going to be in recruitment. I, the lad who set up the James, my you know, one of my best friends, the guy who set up the pound shops, we were yeah. going to do a, a um, festival catering business. I could food, imagine you doing that. Food, food was just kicking off, you know, in a big way. Festivals were were getting more and more popular, um, and yeah, we wanted a we wanted a burger van or something like that to, or, or to build a chain of these burger vans that we, that we did. I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's just a beard, but you look like you could do craft ales, really good coffee and like, I don't know, some kind of, yeah, really good burgers. I think that'd be your, your. Yeah. Thing. It was going to be, we were going we to call it burger on the dance floor. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, thank the Lord that didn't happen because uh, I reckon that great would be Fucking work. great though, man. That's a cracker. So what happened then? Tell us what went So happened. I just kind of fizzled out, didn't happen. Um, and then, you know, my, my, my dad runs his own, um, ran his own business, small, he's an upholsterer. So my dad ran his own upholstery business. My stepdad ran his own, other, he also worked in furniture, had his own furniture business. My best mates, most of them were doing their own thing or were, were that way inclined. And I think, I think probably inside me, I was always going to do something on my own. Um, right. or, you know, actually, yeah, actually I'll come on to that. Not actually on my own, but you know, for myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized that actually recruitment wasn't that bad and you can make some decent money. And I, uh, I had a, a pal at, uh, at the time, a couple of pals at the time, a page called Charlie and Andy, Charlie, I'd been there for years with, um, and Andy I'd recruited in 2011 and he was like this mm. up and coming superstar biller, young manager, but but really good biller at page. And I was like, well, if I can persuade those two to leave, then maybe we're onto something. Um, so, and that was, that was three search, wasn't it? That was three search. So we, uh, we planned it for a while. I persuaded them to put a load of money into a bank account the night before we resigned. So anyone, if anyone backed out, they lost their cash to make sure it, everyone wow. followed through with it. Um, money? Uh, it was only eight grand each. That's all we, that's all we had. That's all we started it with. Um, a lot though. We did. I think we did fifteen hundred quid each. That was it. Yeah, but no, you, you had pay like insane amount of savings, didn't you, at the time to 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 live yeah. off? Yeah, yeah, I did have a decent. We had, we had, we were. It needed to work quickly for uh, for all of us. Um, but it was a good timing for all of us. We all owned our own flats. Um, none of us had kids. Uh, none How old were you at the time? Married. I was thirty-one. Charlie must have been 29 or 30 and Andy was 26. Right. So, um, yeah, the stars aligned at the timing. I kind of, we talked about it for nine months uh, and then we're like, yeah, let's do it. And so we, so on nearly nine years to the day, we resigned 25th of and July. How did, how did that go all three of you doing? As I did it with Ammo, you, you know, I talked to you about it a lot then, but how did yeah. it go for you? Yeah, it was, um, it, I was, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty nerve wracking. Um, I remember, Charlie and I resigned to the same bloke. So Charlie went in first. And then by the time I got in with him, he was like, what? 
Yeah. He was like, you're doing something with Charlie. I was like, I'm not telling you what I'm doing. Um, he was like, fine. So we were out. That was me and Charlie were done. Happy days. We were in the pub at lunchtime. And yeah. Um, yeah, well, that was that was fine. Andy couldn't find his boss at the time. Uh, I think his boss had been <laughs> on the night out the night before. And uh, he was like fretting, not being able to find anyone to resign to. At the end of the day, he resigned to a poor lady that didn't that he didn't even work for. Um, anyway, they hauled him back in on the Monday to talk sense into him. They gave up on Charlie and I early days. And he's um, the younger one, isn't he, Andy? He's the younger one. He so was they like, felt like they had a, they could start. manipulate him a bit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and in all honesty, like he would have done really well in in that in that business. Um, so yeah, so they they got our old boss, a guy called David Forsdyke, who was our boss earlier on, um, to talk Andy into staying. Um, David now works with us here. Um, after twenty <laughs> after twenty two years of page, so uh, yeah, that was a, it. Was an interesting day, lots of pints. So you're all in the pub, yeah, later on, and and that was that. And then talk us through the start of free search. Then what did it look like? And yeah, we start. We we <clears throat> obviously waited our three month notice period before we did anything. Uh, no, we we were in my flat on Monday morning. Um, just looked at each other and we were like, right, I suppose we better just call some people um so we um yeah we cracked on and just started calling people and just telling them what we're doing and you know doing our best to abide by our restrictive covenants but just calling people we knew um and uh yeah just trying to make some stuff happen no matter what it was we were yeah we were doing all sorts of random was it digital and marketing recruitment yeah it was, it was free search was a, a digital and marketing recruiter mm. um but we were getting our hands on anything we could to begin with. We, we early days we won a retainer in the Cayman Islands to play some random job that that we managed to to, to sort. Like it was it was it was all over you the do. shop. Doing you like do recruiting customer service type jobs for a mate of mine who owned a property business. It was it was everything we could get our mitts on. Are you spending hours on LinkedIn and cold outreach and want more business coming to you over your competition? Well, if you're the founder or leader of a recruitment agency, here's what we can do for you. At Hoxo, we'll give you the training, support and resources to take you from what I call an offline recruiter, reliant on posting jobs and sending in mails to open up new customers, ultimately looking like every other recruiter on LinkedIn, to being an online recruiter, being seen by over 25,000 relevant people, driving a 200% minimum increase in engagement on your profile and seeing daily lead lists from LinkedIn that you can follow up with in six weeks time. And if you don't perform, you don't pay. Now, why can we make such a bold results-driven promise like this? Well, it's simple. There's two reasons. Firstly, whilst I've been building the RAG podcast, we've actually done what we say we'll do for our clients. In less than two years, we actually built a business generating from zero to over 1 million views per month on LinkedIn, leading to multi-million pound revenues with a sales team of me plus two people without making a single outbound cold call. Second is our track record. Not only have we done it ourselves, but we've helped over 350 agencies and over 4,000 consultants do it as well, it all in the last three years. Now, if that sounds of interest to you, click the link associated to this episode and we can book a call and tell you how we can help. Right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, Which, is, which isn't the best way to grow something sustainably, but we just needed to make money. It's not, but at the same time, yeah, if you're not sat there with a, with a nice cash reserve and the, the foresight, you know, it's not really a business plan, but it's, it's, it's it, I think it sets you up well for the fact that you can fight in those moments yeah. and find stuff. And it was so what, amazing. It was amazing because there were three of us to bounce off and we were together every day. Um, did you, were you working in your house then? We'd work in my, either my flat, Charlie's flat or Andy's flat. Yeah. But me and Charlie live close together. So it was usually one of mine, one or the other. It was usually mine. And that was in Earlsfield. No, this at the time, me and, me and a pal of mine, another James, uh, had bought a flat in um, Battersea, so in an ex-local block. So, yeah, it was... <laughs> so we'd, we'd, we'd open-planned the living space, but in that block, it had storage heaters in the partition walls. So when the walls came out, all the heating came out. So we'd be... Oh, wow. Charlie always talks about us, us, us sitting there in the... Uh, in the in that first winter seeing our breath in front of our face whilst we're tapping away i don't remember it quite that but 
It was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was hustle. It was good fun. It was a lot of fun. And what um, did you, what did you set out to build then? Like, what was the vision? Was there a vision? No, there was quickly a vision, but at that point there wasn't, there wasn't a huge vision. We knew we, we wanted to um, prove ourselves right. So prove ourselves that we could initially make as much or more money than we were making employed. Yeah. Um, and then, then try and grow something. And um, we've always just tried to try to grow something as significant as we can and just to, to, to kind of be as good as we can. Um, we got some really early feedback from, from customers that it was great that we were this boutique specialist. And uh, yeah, if we were still at M Michael Page, we, they wouldn't be speaking to us. And they were giving us better terms than they give big generous agencies. And I was like, this is, this is the dream. Being a specialist is amazing. But, but we want to build something significant. Quickly, we realized we wanted to build something significant. And that's when we happened upon um, investing in others to build their own businesses. Um, so did you grow three search first or did you like start? We grew three search, yeah, we grew three search to a, a, a few people um, before uh, we invested in our first our first investee, Chris. Uh, well, Chris so you capital consultant. You were only a, like five or six people when you started. We were about six out. people when we went with higher capital consulting. Yeah. So why, um, why did you do that? Like, why didn't you just keep growing one brand? He's like, a, he growing? is a phenomenal recruiter. Uh, who wanted who wanted to do his own thing and didn't want to do it on his own, didn't want to be sat on his own doing it. So, um, so yeah, we 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 had the opportunity to to launch something with him. So you said we'll bolt you in, come and work alongside come and work. us. Do you, in our, do you at that when we had an office, our, our first yeah. office, which was amazing. Like we had, uh, I remember at the time we were looking around these awful co-working spaces like really cheap grubby ones and we we had this one in some tower in waterloo and i said i i called a mate of mine she works for night frank and i was like well, you just do me a favor you just check i'm not being ripped off with this we're looking at this six-man office in this service she was like don't sign that come and look at this i've got this for you and it was a tiny room <clears throat> that they weren't going to do anything. night frank had it they weren't going to do anything with it um so she was just doing me a favor showing it to me and it was this yeah, 400 square foot room with a bay window view into this garden, um, uh, backed out onto um, Eccle, what's now Eccleston Yards. So it was on Buckingham Palace Road in, in Victoria. Um, amazing, lovely first office, tiny. But, so we had, a, we had a home, um, but that, by that point we'd hired, we'd already hired three, probably three or four people um, within Free Search. And were you doing the leadership of people or did you quite me never. no so the, you said i'm not doing that bit yeah yeah no, neither of the boys would have wanted me to um <laughs> i mean I, I now do run our talent acquisition function poor sarah and tamsin report to me but um on the whole I, I i leave the management to charlie and andy um and i get on with finding people for us finding yeah whether that's people to invest in or people to, to work for us so yeah, yeah and that was it that was it from early on so one of the reasons we I think we've managed to do what we've done is we've got three Charlie Andy and I've got three very different skill sets um three quite different views on a lot of things sometimes but yeah three distinct skill sets so what are their skill sets again so Charlie's a manager um natural naturally good leader that people want to work for so that was a I'll get I was like yeah we'll have him on board um and then Andy at the time was uh an exceptional recruiter and he would yeah, probably admit that at the time he was he was limited to that being probably the mainstay of his capability. So uh, very early days, I win some work, Andy fills it, Charlie wins some work, fills it himself, whatever. We'd fill it all together in reality to be a yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, and then very, very early on, my job was always going to be to find people to work for us. We knew it would be difficult to hire people. So we knew yeah. there would need to be that focus. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah. when you first start something, you need to be able to build money. You need to be able to build money, hire people, and then manage those people. And so we had three, and we, we still do have three very differentiated. That's, yeah, I think that's really clear. And did you, the guy that you backed or support brought in to start his own, was that an old mate, someone you'd work with? Yeah, it was a big pillar at Michael Page. Yeah, yeah. So that one was almost quite easy one because you knew him and it was a good starting point. Yeah. What, I guess, what was it in your head then that made you think of 11 investments and think, well, actually... When the next one came out. 
Uh, is that another Michael Page? Person? Another ex-Page person, Jordan. Yeah, who's um, yeah, who was who was running big team at Page and also wanted to do her own thing and um, wanted to be able to better spend a bit of time up in up in Manchester when she was working in London and had this flexibility. Uh, and at that point, I went to, I'm pretty sure I went to college with Jordan. Didn't I? I, I think you did. Yeah, I didn't know her well, but I knew of her. Um, and when I, I remember when I recognised in your office, I was like, oh yeah, I know that girl. Um, so. So she was working at Page as well. Yeah, wanted to be a bit of flexibility. So yeah, you've got when how long? How old is three search at the point where you've got the next two? Two years. Two years old, probably twelve headcount. And you've created eleven investments at this point, and you already yeah. Then we then we create eleven investments to own the uh, the holdings in um, what was then executive partnerships and higher capital consulting. Right. And in terms of your um, name, eleven investments, is that did that mean you're limited to eleven investments? Like you were going to get to eleven and stop? Uh, so uh, yeah, we, we thought we wanted to be about two hundred people, and we thought that's probably about eleven companies. Three search, it was three search plus ten. Um, we had our sites set pretty high in hindsight. Looking at that now. Um, three search plus 10, about 200 people. That makes about sense, a lot of sense. We hung out a lot in a bar called 11 Pimlico Road, um, which is at the bottom of Buckingham Palace Road, where we where our office was. I like the number 11. Um, yeah, that was it, really. 11 investments. It makes sense. I, I think it's great. I, so thought, I thought investments sounded good. In reality, it doesn't exactly explain what we do. You know, I named my company Hoxhaw Media, and media yeah. is not what we do, right? So the name, I don't know if I believe the name is that important in reality. No. I mean, names are a funny thing in recruitment companies. Some people are really, really precious about the name. Some people don't care. The best performing name we've got is the sales recruitment company. It is a, a real SEO hack, that, calling it uh, calling it what it does on the tin. Um, it's yeah. always performed well in, in organic search. Um, and also, there are loads of recruitment companies, not to mention the amount of recruitment companies that have existed and are dormant and dissolved. So people have this idea of a business like, well, yeah, you can't have that or anything like that or anything similar. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, alongside 11 Investments and then Recruiter Labs, thinking of new names for companies all the time is um, is quite the... Uh, fun, game. fun and games. Yeah, what, what was it then that when you came up with this 11 Investments, you said it was plus 10, like... 200 people what did that mean like it was it a, a big exit play like what were you trying to create what was the vision for that we, we've i think vision is important to um bring people along on a journey with you and it, uh, that, that's part of it um but also we we, we wanted to achieve um a, a significant level of success and, and to achieve something pretty special not for a specific exit no um just kind of to see see how good we are i suppose and and and, and to see what we can see what we can do um yeah and it's really difficult to to grow and scale recruitment companies um and we had a unique ability to do that we think because of our mostly because of our split skill set that that split split skill set brought with it the ability for me to just focus on talent acquisition which is really important in the early stages um, so no, no fixed exit point at any point. I don't think. <clears throat> so you didn't, you didn't know like two hundred means something like it means. No, we, we, had, we didn't have a clue then. No. <clears throat> I tell you now. Did I, you know I, that, I could talk to you, you know now about what it means. Well, that's what we'll talk. We'll get to that. But did, did you did you kind of work out though that like by bolting different brands together, it did have a better combined multiple or any of that? No, that, we didn't that know that at the no. time. No. Absolutely yeah. not. We, we, we do know that now. But no, um, we didn't know that at the time. We wanted to, we, we were, we were, we are profit driven. We wanted to make money. So everybody comes into the industry, not everybody, most people come into the recruitment industry setting up their own thing because they want to sell in five years. And that is a, a statement I hear an awful lot. I should imagine you hear an awful lot as well. And in reality, it's just like, it's really hard, but beyond really hard. It's like, nigh on impossible you know if you if you look at MA activity in human capital in the uk <clears throat> i think 2022 i think was the biggest year in history about 40 recruitment agency transactions out 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 of nearly forty thousand. 
it's a like zero point one percent. It's not a lot. Chart of it, ha- chance of it happening each year. And that and those businesses, they might be 20, 30, 40, 50 year old business. They're not 50, but you know, they might be private businesses that have been going a long time. Like it doesn't happen. Um, so we are acutely aware it m- might not happen. So we focus on profitability and everybody earning as well as possible whilst growing. So we focus on sustainable, profitable, responsible, enjoyable, energizing growth. Um, so that because we're fully aware that when you get, if you do sell, there's no, it's not a magic button that gets switched. That's like, oh, I'm happy now. That's happened. Like, it doesn't. You hear it. I think time people think that. I think people yeah. think that though. They do, and, and we've got a level of experience to know that that's not the case. So we've had people interested in things. We have investigated um, selling three search more than investigated. Like we we went down that journey um, with a with a. Uh, with a trade buyer who was very interested in three search and it just made us realize that we weren't ready it made us feel a bit cold um and uh and we enjoy what we're doing and what we're going to do anyway so uh what will we do afterwards now we, we do have one eye on what we are doing sorry is building something that will be attractive and we spend mm. i spent part of my job is spending a lot of time speaking to advisors or direct private equity um, or trade buyers to, to make sure that what we're doing is is being built in the right way and it will be attractive um, in the future in case we do in case we do change our mind and we do want to sell all or part of it. Um, but you know for, for somebody to for somebody to build something on their own that creates value, you know if it's not a million I know Alex Elliott said recently if it's not three million pound in EBIT, don't bother. I mean that is that's ambitious. I think if it's not if it's not a million pound in EBIT, like you're not going to get a multiple that's going to excite anybody unless they're just desperate to get out. So yeah. it needs to be a million pound in EBIT, which at twenty percent conversion needs to be five million pound in revenue, which at ten thousand pound a purse a biller per month needs to be forty two billers. So you need to have a business of forty two recruiters doing ten grand a month, not grow to forty two, but having had 42 on average for at least a year, producing that much yeah. revenue at a 20% margin to get your million quid to then maybe get three to five times. Like that is hard. That's hard money. Um, you could earn three to five million anyway over that period. Well, if time. you build it properly, you, you yeah. earn decent money, you earn some decent, decent money while you're doing it. And you, yeah. everybody's obsessed with headcount. And I know I've talked about headcount, but uh, uh, we focus on profitability first. And I talk about headcount because it's less crude than talking about how much money we earn. So, like, it's a it's a measure that the industry is fixated with. Um, and actually, what what I think we do is focus on profitable, yeah, as I've said, sustainable growth. Um, that's. I want to. I want to. Let's go into all this. I think rather than doing like the classic story of the journey, I think I think people really want to know. They want to hear your insights because I think you're one of the most knowledgeable guys I, I know in this area. You spend all your time looking at it, right? You mentioned before you know now that a two hundred person yeah. business. What would what would that actually mean then? So what would what would the calculations look like if you were to sell at the initial eleven investments idea? Um, well, <laughs> it depends how you look at it. So the initial 11 investments idea is a group of recruitment companies. So they are discipline specific, but if you lump a load of discipline specific recruitment companies together, you've got a generalist business and a generalist business doesn't get you. This is all market dependent and buyer dependent, but a generalist business won't get as big a return on your EBIT as a specialist business will. However, you then got to think, how easy is it to build a specialist business to X amount of people compared to bolting all these together? Isn't isn't the generalist more a safer bar purchase as well though? Because well, exactly. The there's day, also if that one, if one market out. dips, yeah. If one, like you say, right now, if, if tech sales is having a kick up the ass, but your engineering business is is stable and your public sector is stable or whatever, like there's I think there's validity in that combined in there is there is validity in that in there is there's security in the diversification piece but you're going to get the most money from private equity probably and private equity want to want to get into something that's growing so 
our first business is a marketing recruitment business. All right, it's digital marketing, and it, there, there is there is growing. It, it, it is growing, and there is development, and there is skill shortage. But it's not a yeah, it's not a emerging market. Yeah, it's not an AI software development recruiter, right? It's not. It's not got this growing tide that's going to flow with it. We rely on running an amazing business with great people and keeping those people for a long time to prove growth. Um, so yeah, private equity at the moment, or most recently, are probably going to give you the most money. They're most interested in stuff that's going to naturally grow. So yeah, so so the decision you, you've got to make then is how big can you get a generalist? And then what's the multiple on that number going to be compared to how big you can get a specialist? To get the better multiple on that specialist number, um, so so we're not we're now not a group of our sellers. Not we're a group of recruitment companies. It's we're an incubator, so we can turn X amount of investment into X amount of net profit in three years, and we've done it time and time again. And here you go, Mister Investor, have a look at this and see what you think. And we're going through a growth stage now over the next eighteen months where we're gonna we're gonna be able to try that even more, deliver deliver more of those businesses to get to that 11 number to then have a period of, of growth that, that we can point to and say, look what we've done. And it's and we're not going down that we're a group of recruitment companies. Um, we're, so when you say when you say that we take a, an idea into a profit, well, like, tell us a bit more about that journey than what's like what's involved in that journey that you believe leads to success. So we have significant track record of taking people who might be big billers um, uh, but are inexperienced managers and turning them go, taking their business from just them to 15 people in, in, a, in a couple in a few years all right most recently that was in a good market but those businesses aren't going backwards um, we are we are continuing to grow them so I think I think we can we can provide um, or produce a, a system and a blueprint that replicates that um, at, at a yeah relative scale, and that that is that would be really interesting to to an investor. Um, and when you say profit, like what we're we talking, so fifteen people three years in, what type of EBIT are these businesses able to generate? Yeah, we could do from fifteen people three years in, we could do a million pound in EBIT. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's not the sell because I don't want to be I don't want to be strung up on that. Um, but we've done half a million time and time and time again within three years. Yes. And there are a load of reasons for that. But kind of the primarily, right, when you start a recruitment business, or any business recruitment business I'm going to talk about, I don't know, talk, I don't know much. Yeah, about let's, let's focus on the industry. Um, but you start a recruitment business over 50 percent of your time is spent doing non revenue generating activity mm. like so it's hard. It's really hard to get anywhere near billing as much money as you were billing before and grow something. And there's no value in anything until you've grown it in recruitment. And, and, and a super biller can sit there and build a team of five to 10 people, not easily, but you know, that's, that's doable just by rainmaking and, and finding some people passing off jobs. Yeah. and passing off jobs. But they'll make the, he'll make the revenue, or she will make, they'll make the revenue, but they won't, it won't be as profitable. Um, there's economies of scalable into it. So we provide LinkedIn recruiter licenses and all, all sorts of technology for um, a cost we can achieve, which is way lower than a one man band would be able to get. Um, but ultimately, the, our, our co-founders, the businesses that we invest in, we, we want them to focus on recruiting and managing a team. We don't even want them to focus on recruiting for their team. Like we do, we 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 run everything else for them in the to the best of our ability. We we all get involved in decision making processes, but the, the back office is the back office procedures are run by professionals, a professional finance team, professional marketing team, professional ops team. Um, so, because we believe that recruiters are best at recruiting, um, and so. Um, that that is that's how our platform enables people to realize their ambition quite quickly. Yeah, and to become an part of your investment, what do they have to? What's the deal like? Are they? How does it work? Um, first of all, uh, it needs to fit with our with our strategy. So that we we are we are building a group of discipline specific recruitment companies. 
So that automatically rules out people who want to focus on a sector. Um, by that, I mean, yeah, someone wants to come in and do, I don't know, automotive industry and recruit everything into automotive. Like we probably wouldn't want to make that work. So we, we just signed up a finance recruiter. Um, we want a legal recruiter, we want supply chain, we want you know, all of these discipline specific angles, focusing on the UK and the US predominantly, um, although we are looking at other interesting um, geographies at the moment. Um, and the, 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 the kind of split depends, um, but it's, a, it's an equity play where we put up almost all, if not all of the money, um, and they have a, a level of security through earnings from day one. Um, but they take significant equity. So we're talking, you guys have majority share. Yeah. 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 But they still have a significant piece of the pie. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that reason turns lots of people off. Yeah. Because they think that they're giving away X percent of their business that they don't have because they're control. still. Yeah. yeah it's, there, there is some control given away. Absolutely. So this is the, this is the, another limiting factor is we have a we have an operating model you know we we're we're thrashing it out you know now but we've got an operating model of how how we operate so salary bandings commission structures um we do incentive trips together we you know, we do we, everything everything is collective um so we've got this blueprint of this is how we have built this business and this is how we believe we should be building your business with you are you on board with operating in the way that we want to operate? And a lot of people are like, no, I want to, we, we, we don't run, they want to operate differently or they want the creative control or that's fine. Whatever. That's not, we, we are very aware. Uh, we will have limited, limited options that fit in with our um, portfolio. I was going to ask that. Like, how often do you, how many conversations do you have to have with people like me in 2017 or whatever to actually convert one? Because you're, yeah, you must be constantly chatting to people. Yeah, loads. Most of them, most of them, we don't proceed because we don't want to. Um, and is that is that why you launched Recruiter Labs? Then is another option? Yeah. So Recruiter Labs, yeah. T quickly touch on Recruiter Labs. That was born out of partly my frustration that I was having loads of conversations with loads of people who didn't want to be in our office, didn't want to give away equity, um, weren't in London, and I was like, well, they can make money. Like we can we can monetize this. So it's a it's an SSG model. It's a yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's a it's a back office provision. Our, our US, we think our USP is it's being it's it's being run by people who are running recruitment businesses today. And um, what you do yeah. is you provide all the back office again the, the same salute. It's a service to the organ, and yeah. you take a rev share. Yes, we provide everything they would need. Um, we just pay for it ourselves, and and we take a revenue share rather than an equity play over a fixed. Is there contract. any? Is there any monthly fee to you that they have? No. Like, a, no. Yeah, they, just revenue share. Yeah, so ours, our, I believe ours is the most transparent model out there. It might not right. appear to be a, as a, as good as others, but it, it, it is. And how many have you got in that portfolio? 30-ish. Right. Our trusted partner, Recruit Hub, helps new founders launch their own recruitment businesses in the UK, US, and the UAE. The community is growing rapidly with over 70 founders on the Recruit Hub platform right now. Everything you need to launch your own recruitment business with ease. You receive 100% of the fees you bill. You own full commercial control of your business and increase its value. You get cutting edge tech stack from ATS to sales automation. There's no admin. Handle everything from community registration to contracts to finance and support. There's no setup costs on the platform, no recurring fixed costs, and no surprise fees. If you're thinking of taking the next step in your career and want to discuss your business idea, please book a confidential chat with Recruit Hub's team or learn more here. www.recruit-hub.com forward slash UK hyphen awareness. Okay, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so pretty exciting. It's really cool, the business, you've because you've got a lot. I like the differentiated model. I like the fact you have, you have almost like a, you know, a low a low touch and a high touch offer, don't you? You've got yeah. two offers to give to someone. And it's... Um, uh, but yeah, there are lots of people we, we speak to who, who yeah, like you say, we, we choose not to work with or they choose to get another job instead. Or um, I'm, I speak to recruiters all week, all the time. Like 
whether whether I speak to the industry all the week, all the time, whether it's a, a, an owner or founder of a business, whether it's a, a, an M&A a, an advisor, a corporate financier, whether it's a private equity firm interested in human capital, my job is to speak to the recruitment industry. Yeah. And you, do you, again, the third option is come and work for our portfolio. Right? Yeah. So if you don't want to, you've got, you've got to go and be a complete autonomous owner, come and work with us as part of the group or come and be a recruiter in yeah. one of our clients. One of yeah. Our and that, that is, that is the most important focus, like hiring and keeping good people to work for the businesses we've already set up is, is the primary focus. It's got to be, you know, we are, we've, we've been really proud of what we've built. Um, you know, we've, we've tried our best to build a platform where people can flourish both professionally and personally. And although I think um, boutiques are really, really specialist businesses are really good for customers, for clients and candidates. Um, I think having a fast growing business is really exciting for employees. And the, there are loads of benefits of being in a group of businesses like ours, rather than being in a two, three, five, ten man band. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we have amazing trips. We have amazing experiences. We, we do yeah, collect, we do things collectively all the time. Does that include um, Recruiter Labs or is that just no, an investment? No, just 11 investments so um yeah we've 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 tried hard recently to to make sure we're operating in the right way and because of that we've been b corp certified recently which is we're which is no mean feat and we're really happy is that about. because you're from near bristol and everyone who's ever been anywhere near <laughs> bristol in recruitment is b corp certified you're it literally talking about chris like, shared. yeah but not just chris if you look around and you've got leo leo who's just um come out of robert half and he's b corp I feel like Bristol should be called B Corp. Like, I mean, it's funny. It. It's I, funny I, you I, say I that. It. It's funny you say that. Chloe, who runs Recruiter Labs for us, but used to be our ops director for Eleven Investments, ran that B Corp process, and she lives in Bristol. Yeah, cool. Um, I think there's something going on down there where they're like, <laughs> "Got to be B Corp." If you're not, you're not. You're not cool. <laughs> we just we we were um, we were pro B Corp from early from the early days when it was like really really niche, really really yeah. small business to get into. I think Charlie had invested in a in an early B Corp. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, that's important to, to us. I think that the guys really, really are really proud of that as well, that we, we're operating in that, in that right way. Um, and we won the Sunday times best place to work for 16 to 34 year olds recently, which like, I thought we'd have a shot of doing well, but to win that category, you yeah, know, basically what, the what? target category for recruiters. Is it just recruitment companies? In no, it's all, all companies. So it's, um, yes, yes. Sunday times best place to work. Um, survey. So we won. We won the young one, and we came in the top ten for um, our size category. So again, something we're really proud of. It just just shows, I think, that we're we're doing our best to build something people want to be a part of, um, and that's the most important thing. Like retaining people for long periods of time really, really helps you helps you build a business. You know, we've just, we've oh, got yeah. we've still got the second and third person we ever hired, um, Gaz and Ollie. Um, who are still with us and they were they were the yeah they were in that small room in victoria and have been been through the ups and downs and the very average celebrations and the the very the very big ones and yeah it's been a great journey with them amazing well um when it comes to the model you mentioned that in 11 investments people have got to want to be in and when they say in they mean in the office with you right so yeah. let's talk about that because Right now, I did a post about it a couple of days ago, and it, it did get a lot of traction. Where I said, like, you know, there's a there's a consistent theme I'm seeing. Recruitment companies, 2020, had to go home, didn't really trust anyone, but actually was really impressed with the performance and thought, fucking hell, this is great, right? 2021 went hybrid and got all cool and said we're doing twos and threes and fours and ones or whatever the fuck they did. But again, market's gone rocket ship. Roles are coming in, new highs are coming in, everyone's still performing and everyone's still cool. 2022, similar story slides a bit. 2023, job flow drops and all these new people are being, well, all these businesses are going, well, let's go back to what we knew before, which is getting yeah. people together. And you've now got two camps where you've got recruitment organizations telling 35-year-olds who've got used to this flexible life to come back five days a week and it's pissing them off and yeah, you're getting people sure. wanting to leave. And then, but you've also got the need to train new people coming in and get them right when it comes to BD. So I can see why. And I, my spin on it was, 
it's how you ask people that's going to make the difference. If you tell Absolutely. someone, you got to come back without any reason and any vision, any mission. Like, but I do, I do, I almost do think though, like at a certain age, you don't want to do like so many people don't want to do five days. Like even just one at home is yeah. like a. I spoke to a woman on the podcast last week. You, 900 people across the globe and she works at home on a Wednesday and it's like, you know, that's, that's what they do because that's what they do. Right. Um, so tell me about your piece. Cause you were pretty, we're in the office. How yeah. has that couple of year journey gone? And have you seen similar and now have you managed it? Yeah. I mean, like everybody in, in March, 2020, I was petrified that we would be not in an office. I think I made a statement saying, we'll don't worry, we'll have a sheep dip in the office. So no one gets, no one gets the lurgy before we all go home. I don't think anyone knew what sheep it was. <laughs> lost your upbringing, but we, yeah, we uh, we adapted. Um, we adapted pretty well. We were um, we were all cloud based anyway, so we could operate from home. Yeah. And, and yeah, to begin with, we were on calls group as a group all the time. And we were about, I think, we headed into the pandemic at about forty five people. Um, but we were communicating all the time. Charlie, Andy, and I would have a call eight o'clock a phone call eight o'clock every morning during the pandemic it was hustle it was like yeah yeah yeah. i didn't hate it actually like no no i i look like i, quite, I don't mind one of the most amazing one of the most amazing times where you just all came yeah. together and just fucking went for it yeah and the stuff that you did for for the for the um for the industry and stuff was amazing and that that sort of yeah yeah that sort of thing was great you know you you doing your live um your, your daily show. rags and your, your and the the laptop stuff you did and all that that just like anyway um i thought it was great and it, and it there was a sense of i know there was just this weird sense of camaraderie that was like right we are in the trenches let's not i mean let's not exaggerate none of us were ill but you know we were we were getting on with it we were cracking on with it and it, it was um <laughs> we were doing what we had to do 21 and 22 like Everybody was like, yeah, we're operating amazing based remotely. No, you're operating amazingly because the market is mental. Like, <laughs> like yeah, we, we yeah. can do this. We, we're going to, I'm building a remote business. We could, no, no, like, you can't, oh, can't, we can't, in the way that we do it, we can't hire and train. We can't hire and train juniors effectively, rem completely remotely. But, but more than that, we asked the guys, why do you like being a part of we survey people a lot like we, we ask for feedback a lot why do you like being a part of whatever investments because of the environment because of the people because of doing stuff together so then people are like oh, i want to work more from home it's like but but we'll lose everything that people love about it so if we start doing that we lose the great great stuff about what we've i'm talk, only can talk about myself about what we've built and so we don't want to do that we don't want to do it um I look back at me as a 24 year old, 23, 24 into recruitment. The amount of stuff I learned from being around people who are better than me, not necessarily, yes, my direct line manager, but not just, not just Steve Bora, um, from other people who are around me, who, who I would hear snippets of information that somebody on the next team said, or a, a phrase somebody else used. And you pick up all this stuff just, just through being around better people. And no. so, so what's difficult is the difficult thing we need to get our head around is like you say, you know, people who've done their time, the 35 year olds who want to be at home, um, they don't want to have to come in. If they're all at home and only the youngsters are in, then the youngsters aren't learning from many people. Mm. So we're building a business full of people who want to spend time collectively in the office together, um, apart from some exceptions. So you know, Rowan who heads up, a senior part of our business lives in York. He comes once a week. We've already spoken, comes to the office once a week. We've already spoken about Chloe lives in Bristol again, once mm. a week, but on the whole, we want people in um, three days at least and, and the juniors four days. And um, it's, it's to benefit from the environment. We operate really collaboratively. How do you get the three days right? What's your model for that? Um, so that our model, which we now believe is right that we've landed on recently is two fixed days where everybody is in. So a Tuesday and a Thursday, everybody is in the office together. And then the, the third day is you're in with your team. So every line manager is with their team three days a week. Um, and they decide what day? They decide what that day that is, either a Monday or a Friday. Yeah, yeah. So Wednesday, everyone's at Wednesday's home. quietest. Some people are in. So I'm in, I'm in four days. I'm in five okay. days this week. But I, I don't... I, where are you uh, living now, Joe? 
I live in Earlsfield again now. Back uh, back to where I started. And the London. office is still Soho, is it? Yeah, we're we're just on uh, Glasshouse Street. Just yeah, pick is it. Is it the one I came two years ago or not? Um, I don't think. Do you know what? I can't remember. Yeah, it will have been. It will I have been. In, it, was, it was in Soho. I just remember coming up some stairs and we had a boardroom and it was all branded yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah same thing. It. Yeah, it's a cool That's spot. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the, the remote hybrid work from home thing is really interesting but for me the office isn't isn't dead it's fundamentally important i believe humans like in general like to be around other humans and yeah fundamentally uh, we we're hiring people who who are who are social sociable people and want to be with each and other do you know what i think it's completely the it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something and you can stick to it that's the key you know like, you know now that there's people that won't work for you because they want four days at home or whatever. Like, and, that, yeah. and that's, and you, and I'm sure you're okay with that. Just like you said before. We don't want to hire them. Yeah. People who yeah. won't join 11 investments because they don't want to give away the equity. Cool. That's fine. We don't want you anyway. And I think it's the businesses that are, don't know what they want. They struggle with the identity of who they want to be. And they're, they're trying to please fucking everyone. Uh, they're yeah. the ones that are struggling now. Like, really struggling. Like, we went straight away. Well, fuck it. We're not going back to the office. We were the opposite of you, right? We were like, I left London anyway. Life was going to fucking shit in that first, even though I was, I looked great on the surface doing all my podcasts and shit. I was getting divorced. I was a mess. Yeah. I'm going back to Manchester. Right. And you came and saw me in my flat when I was in Manchester. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I was gone. Billy had gone to Birmingham and uh, we were all at home anyway. And, and so we give notice in our office in Bethnal Green, which we fucking hated Bethnal Green. It was rough as rough as it comes. And then, um, we never we just said we're never going back we're going to do we work licenses for people who want to collaborate and they meet once a week in london and cape town and then we started internationally hiring anyway so it was like why hire in derby when you could hire in durban and we started yeah. going a bit crazy nice that. Tag no. why derby when durban yeah yeah exactly so we've got we've got south africa portugal and uk there are three locations and we've got like four people in portugal 20 people in south africa and the rest in the uk and it's the smallest yeah south africa's our biggest hub now um but we've had to learn and find people that want that. Like there's people in our business that have left because they didn't, they just thought remote's not for me. And again, that's okay, but we're not changing. We're completely not changing. And it is hard. There's, we met in South Africa the week. It was incredible like to touch each other, hugs and chat and sit around a desk. And But we're not changing it and it's working and we're moving in there. And maybe we'd be even faster growth if we all got in an office, but we've decided it's, it's not how we want to work. I love it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work now. You're in Sheffield and like yeah. Amazon's exactly. down here, I think, is he still? So it's not. No, no, he's near he's he's uh near Cheltenham. He's in the Cotswolds. Oh, is he? Oh yeah, yeah. He's, Dream. He's, is it well done him? Morton on Marsh or something, is it? Yeah, very nice. Nice very spot. Nice. Yeah, he's he's got a Soho House membership and he cruises into Oxford and he's got a cool little life. Again, he's in London more than me. I'm going once a month to London, once a month to Manchester. You know, it, it works for us, but it's not about whether we're right or you're right. It's about believing in your own model and fucking owning it and stop. Because every time you chop and change and you, you try and please everyone, I, I think it's going to hold you back. Yeah, because yeah, you provide something to some, but, but I mean, we do have some, we do have some flexibility, but it's obvious why we have some flexibility. Yeah. Um, you can't just let someone work from home and not somebody else when there's no reason or justification for that. And, and we don't, we just don't want to. Yeah, we just want to hire people who want to be part of something, um, yeah. significantly part of something that, that means they're here, because that's how we know how to run a business. That's that's. Have you had to let? Has anyone left, or have you had to let anyone go who keeps not wanting it? Uh, I can't think off the top of my head of a reason that being a reason. Some the reason somebody left definitely been the reason we've not hired people for sure. Yeah. But um, we try to get hiring as as right as we can. Um, based on our behaviours and values, because we like to keep people for a long time, um, so we try and get that right as much as possible. What What are you seeing right now, then? So, me and you obviously have a similar kind of job. I'm not trying to hire anyone, but I am talking to recruiters all the time. You are too. What are you think? What do you think? If we're in July 2023. We're yeah. right. You know, start of H2. It's been a pretty odd year to be honest what what have you seen and what do you see right now so what have we seen we have seen the market come off over the last 12 months across almost all of our if not all of our 
disciplines. Some hit more than others. We have we have a, a a business that for the last two years has focused on talent into technology, which uh, first half of last year was absolutely flying, and obviously first half of this year has been absolutely decimated. But so. Um, and then, um, and then, kind of like variations of how much has been impacted there. But the the market is has changed. But but the the but also a contributing factor for the performance is the fact that we were set up to operate in a flying market because that was the right thing to do at the time. And we've needed to adjust um, and help the guys who we've hired recently who've only ever worked in a great market to to adjust and be able to. Kind of turn on the business development and the, the, the same things that everyone else has seen. But um, so that's over the last twelve months, and it's 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 now it's getting better. Um, I think is is fair to see. We're seeing green shoots, as they call it, glimmers of glimmers of um, uh, conversations that we just weren't having. Yeah, we're winning. We're winning. We're back to winning large volumes of work in spots. Um, we're back to having really on interesting conversations with people about the near future rather than. Why are you even talking to us? You know that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm adamant it's not it's not that bad. It wasn't that bad out there anyway. I think. Um, I Did think you guys have to make any difficult decisions and make some cutbacks, or we didn't make any difficult decisions that we wouldn't have made about people's performance. We we are very proud. Touch wood. We're very proud that we've we've built a business, as I said, responsibly and sustainably. We don't hire speculatively. We we hire when we see the growth um, and we see an opportunity that somebody can come in and help that growth. Um, I think Greg Savage said on one of yours relatively recently, you know, we've gone from an amazing market to a really good market. I think that's possibly positive spin. I think we've gone yeah. from an amazing market to a normal market. Recruitment's a hard job. Like, yeah. that's why we get to charge our clients lots of money for finding them people because it's hard to do the job. Um, and this is normal. And we've got to pedal a bit faster to, to make, to make the money. And we probably won't get back to the productivity we were knocking in over the last two years anytime soon, but we don't need to do that. We just need to operate sensibly and we'll make decent money. How, how do you manage expectations of what good looks like though? Do you, cause if, if, if your team is, let's say a guy's billing 400 K, yeah, comfortably for two years, and suddenly it's the, the wheels have fallen out of the market, and they've not. Are you are you a, are you all saying well, two it's two fifty this year or whatever? Are you able to reset and say this is a good year in this market, or do you? Because a lot of people are like so scared to ever go backwards. It's like we have to keep moving forward. But it, yeah, no, we we are. Um, I think I and this is again the the three of us helps. I think I'm probably more inclined to say why would we go backwards? Like we can do it. Blah blah. blah. But you know. I have voices of reason next to me uh, in Charlie and Andy and, and more recently David and uh, we come up with sense we come up with sensible sensible plans moving forward because we all bounce off each other. I'm 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 probably the <clears throat> uh, driving force ambition wise in terms of the future what we can achieve, but yeah, ultimately Charlie, Andy, and David are they're delivering. Um, from those teams, um, Charlie, Charlie, and Andy specifically in, in three search are there, you know, so they're on the ground. They know they can see they they know what's there right now. So we are sensible, um, but we are building a high performance culture where we expect we expect decent performance out of people, and we provide an amazing environment for them to be in and have that performance. Um, and we provide them the technology we believe is required to be able to do their job well. Um, we are we're very pro investment in uh, in the right platform for people to be able to 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 realise that whatever their goals are. Um, that's really important to us. Joe, we're out of time, but thank you so much. You've been a you've been a legend as always. It's always I mean it's I've I've had loads of chats with you over the years, but this one was probably the most chronological and put together and i feel like i've actually learned a lot myself if anyone's listening and they, they like the sound of either joining the portfolio starting their own through recruiter labs or or being part of 11 investments linkedin just drop you a note Best absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah get me and on even that. if someone just wants to ask you some questions might be a fellow owner that just likes the way you think um someone reached out that? someone reached out last week saying i've got a business of 15 people i want to scale it to this many people 
um, can you help? And I was like, no, but let me put you in touch with somebody who can. I made three phone calls and and I've, I've lined them up with somebody um, who I think could benefit them advisory wise. So yeah, I mean, I, w- I will, it's my job to know the recruitment market. So absolutely happy to, um, to, to hear from people. Email is probably as good as LinkedIn. I don't know if the, I can accept any more connections. So joe at 11investments.co.uk. Right. Joe at 11investments.co.uk. I'll, I'll get it attached to the episode. Joe, you're a legend. We'll get you on again in the future when you're 200 people and you're, and you're sailing off into the sunset. But I'll, nice. uh, I wish you the best of luck in the meantime, okay? And you. Thanks for everything. Cheers, mate. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I want to help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now, we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.